Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, the Phillies are undefeated in 2019. 1-0, baby. <laughs> you got- can't win them all, but you can't win them all if you don't win the first That's one. That's <laughs> right. So, uh, No, but it, you know, how nice is it? I don't know about you. I, I uh, Hearing Larry Anderson and Scott Fransky and Kevin Franzen and just kind of hearing the background of a ball hitting a bat a okay bit. so let's get right into yeah. this because you were 10 you know later in the show we're going to be joined by philadelphia wing star frank brown uh-huh. uh, around 4 35 got plenty to talk about in this show but you told me before the show that you grew up listening to the game not watching the game you, so, you just had to point out my age this early in the no show? it wasn't even a shot at your age yeah, i yeah. mean you could take it that way but <laughs> tell me what does it conjure up to you when you he- like i know you get excited about baseball in general I, I more enjoy some of the sounds of the game, but you oh, yeah. enjoy the radio broadcast itself. Yeah, well, first of all, Larry Anderson is He's still my favorite favorite announcer. But but as as far as I I grew up like w- listening with my grandfather to games. I remember as a kid sitting on his lap listening to games and when they were on the radio up in New York, and and then I, and then as a kid, kind of just tossing the ball against the the fireplace the outside of the house while the, I turned on the radio and put it up on the, the corner of the fence. And, you know, that that's that's the kind of nice memories that people have. And for some reason, baseball is something that a lot of people have fond memories as, as a kid. And, and that's why the sh- there's a shame of it is that baseball, because of its pace, allows those kind of memories. Whereas a football game, or a basketball game, how much of the game do you remember? You might remember the end result. The you know, if you were at the Eagles game, you'll remember where you were, um, but you don't remember the actual events of the game because the pace is so quick. So you take the opposite of argument of people who are critiquing the pace of play, saying that baseball is too slow for a younger generation of fans. Yeah, you, but you think look. that's what endears it to a fan is. That the pace of play allows allows you the time to think about what you're seeing and remember and really take it all in, as opposed to the speed of a game in the NFL where it's play to play to play. You just move on. Yeah, to the next I, one. I know this is a, a deep conversation. But, I know I did, I know you didn't it, expect to get here, but when you said it before the show, we talk about the impact that sports has, and I could tell that it took you back to being a little kid when you're talking about listening on the radio. So I wanted to just talk about that for a second before we went into what the season is. Well, and it's it, it, it's also think about it. It's 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 whether or not you're a person who the ma- the result matters more than the journey, and and I think that you're a journeyman. Well, I think that all three of our shows, but you know, in particular our, our High Hope show and our and our Regiment show, what is it about? It's, it's about, about the journey. It's about the journey, and life's about the journey, and that you shouldn't just enjoy it. So if if you're about something, you just want to see your team win then that's one thing. I'm about wanting to see the whole experience, wanting to see the people grow. It's why today, spring training, hope does spring eternal, but how exciting if you're somebody that follows the journey, you know, our, 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 get, our people have gotten to hear Cole Irvin and Austin Listy and, and, and that group of so players. Like the, the average fan who doesn't pay closer attention to that journey looks at the roster for today's opening game and they're like, who are these guys? Right. They wanted to see McCutcheon and they wanted to see Segura and they wanted to see JT Rowland. And you look at it and they will. And you look at it and you go, wow, Cole Irvin's starting and Austin Listy is playing and Scott Kingery is playing. And, and you're excited to see those guys who you've watched 
come up through the system, yeah. get their shot to show what they can do, even if it's in spring training with the big team. And getting to know them. I mean, look, I know that there are there are guys that we interviewed last year. I know they're all supposed to be our favorites, much like a, like a kindergarten teacher kind of thing, but there are guys that were your favorites. Now, we won't say them on the air, but I know. I know there are guys that you root for harder because you got to meet them. Yeah, and because you learn about of, them. Exactly. So, so seeing... Cole Irvin get his shot, even if it's in his, the first spring training game, to start the season out for the team has got to be exciting for him to see him be successful in that and to prove to people he's a guy that's going to get people out. To see Austin Listy out there and get his first major league hit, even though it doesn't count as his first major league hit, it's his first chance at spring training on a major league you know, situation to do that. And, and I think for, that's why it means more to me than – seeing JT Real Muto in a spring training game because I don't think it, it, he'll be ready when the time comes. Do you enjoy the description of the visual or the visual of baseball? Like, are you? I know you grew up a radio guy, but at this point, are you still a radio guy or do you like to see the game? I know you're an in-person guy more it, than it, anything. It, it, it depends on what the situation is. I, I'm not a guy, if, if I'm out or if I'm mowing the lawn or doing something like that, I'll put on the headphones and listen to the game. And it just... It's just the experience of hearing it. It's not, it's, it's, there's something about the audiology of it, the visualness, the, even the smells. I mean, it, you'll remember when you go to a baseball game and you smell a hot dog or the popcorn, if you, if you went to a game as a kid, it takes you back like that. Yeah, right? instantly. Yeah. The, for me, it's the sounds though, when I hear it, you know, mm -hmm. that, that crack of the bat or the vendor in the back, in the background, you know, Hey, peanuts, <laughs> cold beer, something like that out there that, you know, you're used to well, hearing, used even to, when I wasn't old, pistachio girl, but, but even, she's not even when anymore. I wasn't old enough to get the cold beer, you uh -huh. know, Hey, cold beer, <laughs> like you, you, sure. you heard it and you knew it. No, grandpa, please. grandpa didn't get you a 20 ounce uh, Budweiser. I, I still can barely pass for legal <laughs> to drink in the eyes of some people. Let's talk a little bit about the games today. So you, you mentioned Cole Irvin got the start, went 2.1 uh, innings, gave up three hits, three strikeouts, threw 34 strikes on 49 pitches. Cole Irvin is not a pitcher that's going to overpower guys. He's going to pitch to contact. But he seemed like in the first game of the season, and Larry Anderson called it out how on point he was for locating his pitches this in, early, this early yeah. in there, saying the batters just weren't ready for that. And again, it's, uh -huh. it, it's spring training. Take it for what it is. No, but there's something to be said for that only because, uh, I mean, sometimes we question the analytics future of baseball and present of it and, and the methodology that the Phillies and other teams are t undertaking. But one of the things that I've noticed about what they're doing early on is when the, when the pitchers are going out to do their sessions, they're doing it with a batter standing there as opposed to just throwing to the catcher. And after their session is over, the batter, whoever the designated batter was, just to stand there, is then going out them and going out there and telling them what he saw. Telling the pitcher what yes. he saw, and, what he should do different. And I think... I th have I you ever know. seen that before? I've never seen it before. I, I've I've heard of it before, but I've never seen it with Philly spring training. Maybe they have, and I just didn't, wasn't aware of it. But I think it's an incredibly positive thing to do this early in spring training and to continue it as the season goes on because pit, you see things as a pitcher from a different angle that a pitching coach may not see from the dugout, right? So that just getting that additional perspective and the perspective of a hitter it is it puts you inside their mind. I think, I think there's a huge benefit, in, and I think it also creates a closer clubhouse. 
Um, Mikel Franco clearly excited that Manny Machado is taking his talents to San Diego. Uh, hit the game-winning home run today. Your thoughts on Manny Machado playing for the Padres for $300 million and Mikel Franco's start to the season today. Okay, my initial reaction to Manny Machado signing was good. I, I think everybody who listens to our show knows I wasn't a big fan of getting him. But my initial reaction was, by the way, he's going to be complaining by the end of the season. <laughs> because Manny, unless Manny Machado just doesn't care about winning, San Diego is a great place to win, but I mean a great place to play, not a great place to win. Not um, this year. I, they're, however, they're, they're minor league system they're, for future they're, years. They have the best, as far as I'm concerned, the, the best, best minor league yes. system. Yeah, and, and, and they have a guy. On, the other interesting thing about Machado was, you know, all we heard was Machado wants to play shortstop. Well, Machado was just said he's going to play, play third, third because Fernando Tatis Jr. is about this far from coming up to the major league roster. It, so, Mikel Franco now can breathe easy. No, because he's, I, he's still got Kingery. I, I if I were him. I would breathe easy because I can't see Kingery being a third baseman. I don't think he has the second. arm to be a third right. baseman. But yeah. um, but clearly there's an open competition for them at third base. Uh, Kingery scored the first run of the season. Can you explain to me what happened <laughs> listening on the radio, Jeff? For anybody who has had to go to their child's Little League game or has been in a Little League game, this was the perfect way to open a season. It was so, the Little League home run. So, what, he so, dropped the ball and so tripped. the Best center defensive center fielder in baseball, Kevin Kiermeyer, slips and falls. And Scotty Kangaroo was was given a triple and then scored on an error. So it was basically a little league home run, is what they would call it. Some tar- start yes. to the season. All right, so the Phillies won three to two. Um now onto the news people care about for right now. There's still no Bryce Harper signing. Jeff, um I, mean, I still believe that they're going to sign Bryce Harper. I'm not riding the roller coaster. I just think they're gonna do it. Um but they've set themselves up in this situation that we keep talking about because of how they've handled it, that fans are just ready to rip them if they don't. I would like to give a great shout-out to Jim Salisbury and Todd Zalecki for their, their photography over the course of the week. At one point, there was a photo of a plane taken just in the air. That was it. Nothing was put on it. I, I enjoyed and, the red helicopter. And, and, well, and, and the number of... Follow-up tweets and comments about, is that Bryce Harper's airplane? It just shows you the ridiculousness of what is going on. And then Todd Zalecki decided to take a photo of the red helicopter. And people are like, well, is that Bryce Harper landing at the field? It is It is amazing the frenzy that is going on for this. And quite frankly, I'm not sure exactly who Bryce Harper is signing with if it's not the Phillies, considering every team seems to in the last couple of days saying, I'm not paying him three hundred million, and that seems to be where the Phillies are. You know, it's like you know we want you, but we're not bidding against ourselves right now, right? And it, it's just waiting for Harper to, you know, say yes. Uh, you know, or we'll Scott s- Burris to get out of the way. I figured that they would do it during Manny Machado's press conference <laughs> because those agents don't like each other yes. apparently, and um, I just figured that they would do something to take away the attention. You think we, uh, by the time we hit spring training in two weeks? Uh, there's going to be some resolution to that. I don't know. I really don't. I don't. I, I don't. What does that do for team chemistry? You know, Arietta came in late last year as a signing. Right. You're probably going to have other players sign after Harper too, because there's all these teams that are waiting for that shoe to drop, including potentially the Phillies with a possible starter. What does that do for the team chemistry for a player to come in? I don't in think that for late? pitchers it matters because really? because pitchers, you know, there's lots of different places you can put them. 
for like what Machado is, you had the issue with Franco and and to some extent Kingery about where am I going to play if Machado comes, uh, and am I going to be traded as a result? Uh, the guy that it I think it affects on the Phillies right now is Nick Williams because it seems like Nick Williams would be the odd man out if Bryce Harper comes. I, look, I hope I'm right because I'm about to say something. I think I would like to see Nick Williams here this year instead of Bryce Harper to see what he can do with a full season. Are you out of your mind? No, I'm not. You sound like the biggest homer that there is right now. You Thank like you. the homegrown talent over the guy that's a proven all-star for years. No, because because uh, look, I've who's going to hit even better in the BAM box that is Citizens Bank Park? I as know, to the I National. know you say that, but 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 here's what I know. look, and and if he signs here, I will wish him well and and hope he does great. But here's the problem: I've 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 showed you the stats. Okay, first of all, Bryce Harper only hit about two forty nine, two fifty last year. If if there what is did no Nick Williams hit. He didn't have a full season under his belt. I, I'm and, just I'm not trying to be smart, but no, but, but I think you're well, overestimating the so value let, so of Nick let, Williams. I may be. I said I just want to see him get a full season here. Is this a because I see him I, grow up and you you love him kind of thing? No, and, and beca- because well, first of all, he wasn't in the system originally. He came over in the Cole in, Hamill in the Cole Hamill right. um, But you've seen him play in the system. Yeah, and I, I've seen him mature. I mean, remember, he, he was kept down. So is this like a dad who wants to see his son succeed, or are you? No, like, let me finish. So my problem is not so is not so much that Nick Williams is as good as Bryce Harper because I don't believe that's the case. My problem is signing a guy for three hundred plus million dollars for the next ten years when it is now proven that he that the shift destroys him. And keep in mind, and I know that he's an all star. Do you know how many times Bryce Harper has had a hundred RBIs in his major in his seven year career? I'm guessing you do. Yeah, how many? Zero. One. One. Okay. Think about that. How many has Nick Williams had? <laughs> see, but that's not that wasn't my point. But my, isn't that the my, choice I'm no, given here? No, Nick see, Williams or Bryce Harper. That's not my point though, because because I still believe that we may end up with Mike Trout at some point, and I would rather have that money for that. And I I know I'm not the owner. Why do I care about money? There's only so much. What happens in your world if they don't get Trout? You just keep waiting. No, I don't. Do you think the Phillies waited this offseason? I don't think they waited. They got the best catcher in the game. Again, it's their own fault they're in this position with no, their but, fans. But so they t- did this to themselves. So, so go to the men in black. I'm going to erase from your memory the the moment in time that John Middleton decided to talk about Then they had a money. fine offseason, and they could no, make they it even a, better by getting better, Bryce Harper. I'm not saying they, that he, they wouldn't be better with him. I'm questioning whether or not you want to commit 10 years and three hundred plus million dollars to Bryce Harper. I want to put the best players in the lineup, and that's what I have to commit to get to him. And that's the best player that's available right now to put on this team. But you don't always go after just the best player available. I think he would fit very well on this team, and I don't think it means you have to move Nick Williams completely. I don't think you give up. Oh, on you Nick do Williams. have to. You do have to move Nick Williams. Where are you going to put him? There's other options of who you can move. There's you can move. I think you could get a very good pitcher for Nick. Williams. You can move too. Aaron Altair. There's other people who you can move. You can move Cesar and no, package no, no, no. for something who, for a pitcher. How many outfielders do you think the Phillies are going to carry this year? I was wondering that. I four. was going to ask you that. There's no way there's going to be more than four. So it's McCutcheon. It's Oduvel. It's it, if it's if Harper's here, it's Harper, and then it's Roman Quinn. And so, so, and and if Harper doesn't come, it's going to be either so Nick you Williams don't think, or Aaron Altair. You don't think Williams or Altair would be on the roster either of them if Harper's here? Correct. Do they trade them both? 
Yes. Okay. Interesting. Because yeah. I th- I think that the the way the league is going, you're going to have more pitchers on your team and less. So if you have Roman Quinn as your fourth outfielder, you now have a day of rest for everybody because Roman can play any position as long as he's healthy, and that's a big if. I get that. And then in, in the infield, if you have Scott Kingery as the super utility guy again, you don't really need anybody else in the infield. You want to talk more baseball or you want to go to basketball? Because we got sign stealing. We've got go ahead, keep clock going. management. Okay. But then we've got Sixers and Zion. Where do uh-huh. you want to go? Tell well, me. Let's, let's do the sign stealing. That'll take three seconds. You don't like the new sign stealing rules. I it doesn't seem like. I, I, it just seems silly. Yeah. Tell, tell our uh, listeners, I'm, what is Major League Baseball so, doing so right they're, now? So they're not going to stop sign stealing. They're going to c- curb it. And so what they're going to do is they're going to, one, ban an, on in-house outfield cameras from foul pole to foul pole. Okay, so you can't have your own camera out there because apparently people were stealing signs that way. The live broadcast, this is my favorite, limited to each team's designated replay official who in turn will be monitored by a babysitter. That's the official rule. <laughs> That's no, not it isn't. what they it say. It says it'll be monitored by a security I expert. saw you put that in there and I was like, wow, you can't tell that Jeff doesn't like these new changes. <laughs> and then penalties including forfeiting. Oh, I forgot. The TV monitors... For the team in the clubhouse and the bullpen will be on an eight-second delay. That's going to be fun to watch a delayed celebration. I'm going to enjoy that because there was a rule. Well, wait. You won't see it. What do you mean a delayed celebration? The, the players. If they're watching on the TV, they'll see an eight-second delay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they should be paying attention maybe. to the actual game. You don't, you don't so like the this. Penal- the penalty will be you could lose draft picks or international is, spending. Is money. this your unwritten rules of baseball? You're not cheating if you're not trying stuff? No, is I just I just is? think the whole thing's kind of sad. That like they, if that's if that's their biggest problem, you're surprised problem. that they have sign stealing and they need to try and stop it. No, there's always been sign stealing. Exactly. How are you going to stop it? Apparently, by turning that's off a not TV and do it. I mean, look, if, if there's a guy on second base, I love when guys get upset about it. There's no way you can stop it. There's so many different ways to give a sign without anybody knowing. What's going to be the reaction uh, the first time that they call a baller strike because of a pitch clock violation? Good, Jeff? that'll be that'll be the last time they do it because a guy won't do it again. But can't you just reset the clock by stepping off the rubber? No, once you get set, you have to go. It's it's not the pitcher so much as it is the batter. I mean, don't you remember? Do you remember Nomar Garcia? Will that take Parra away from your time his, to enjoy his... the game that we started the segment? With? No, uh, no, no that that will not take that. Will speed up the game ten minutes, maybe. All it's right. still not going to become an hour and twenty minute game. In order to do that, you need Roy Halladay versus Pedro Martinez pitching again, and those days are over. We're going to talk plenty more baseball, including Jeff next week. We got a good baseball guest coming on, right? Gonna we do. Have Ricky Vitalico join us next week. He's pretty damn good. Yeah, that should be a good time. Yeah. And then the week after that, we'll be doing our broadcast from Clearwater. So yeah. we'll have plenty of baseball coming up to talk more about it. Let's move a little Sixers. They're thirty eight and twenty one. Mm-hmm. They're fourth in the East after their win last night. Did you happen to see the Sports Illustrated cover this week, Jeff? Yes. Um, do you, what do you think my f- initial reaction was? Oh, the Sports Illustrated curse. Yep. I knew that mm-hmm. that was going to be your reaction. Uh, it was no. <laughs> it was, the minute I saw that, I was like, Jeff's not going to like this was, very much. Is there any chance that was a regional cover? I don't know. Because I, somebody said, I, I've always I've grown up on the Sports Illustrated jinx, and then all of a sudden somebody said to me what, with some team, I mentioned the Jinx, and they said, "Oh no, don't worry, it's only a regional cover." And I'm like, "When, when did there? When were there like sub rules to the Jinx?" Uh, news to me. Um, and they did Jinx it because guess what happened? 
Joel Embiid went out for 10 days. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Furkan Korkmaz's injury. He wasn't on the cover. <laughs> All right. Joel Embiid had a sore knee before the All-Star. You have to insert Boban. In, in <laughs> we'll get to Boban. Uh, Joel Embiid had a sore knee before the All-Star break. The same knee that he had surgically repaired. He played in the All-Star game. And now, same and now he's sitting for seven to ten days. Correct. Sir. Your thoughts, Jeff Cohen? No. He <laughs> sh- <laughs> why was he playing? So, the, somebody has got to explain to me why you would risk it for the All Star game. Why was he not for six days sitting on his couch at home, icing his knee and just resting? Brett Brown actually said that rest wasn't good for it either. So. Um, rest wasn't good for it, but they're going to give him seven to ten days off. Yeah, I'm rest. confused by that. <laughs> the whole explanation of this, don't worry very much. He's got a sore knee. Here, here, it wouldn't have helped to rest, but we're going to give him rest. Here's my concern, and I am not a doctor, although my parents had wished I'd become one. Um, the, the, the injury that he has is an injury he had before. I mean, it's on the same knee, and he was also having back problems. When you have back problems, it creates all sorts of problems with the rest of your lower body. If th- this could end up being a recurring problem that they're going to have to monitor Don't. and deal with for at least the rest of the season. Has he played too many minutes? So Yes, far? he definitely has played. They had no backup center. Now at least they have Boban and... and you know, we got to talk to Justin Patton on Wednesday. We did. Uh, talk about that for a second. Tell, tell our listeners what we heard... From Justin Patton, who is in Delaware with the Blue Coats, working his way back from a Liz Frank injury, who was traded with Jimmy Butler for the second time, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, refers to himself lovingly as Jimmy Butler's bodyguard <laughs> or security. What, what is he? A security, security guard. Yeah, security guard. He said, "If you see him with a serious face standing behind Jimmy Butler, it's him guarding Jimmy Butler." Yeah. Um, what I heard, uh, what I saw, was a guy that uh, he's mature. He seems to understand that he's got to be patient but he looks like he's ready i mean this is a guy i mean watching the other g league guys he looks like a man among boys he's he's seven close to seven feet tall yeah don't remind me he is not skinny he is strong um and he moves like a guard which is basically his background when he was younger and much shorter he was a guard and and he's taken those skills and the things that he worked on in footwork and we even asked him would you rather be you know when you ask a a big man would they rather be a point guard or a center they usually say they want to be a point guard he actually said no i want to be a center and i want to take advantage of other senators because of what i know and what i can do and to me it seems that the second he's ready that he's coming up to the sixers even this late in the season and boban will then be the third center on this team so they will have gone from no depth so what do they do with Jonah Bolden at that point? Is he boom to the four? So he play. He's a backup. Yep. At, in that rotation mm-hmm. at four with Tobias Harris, it just Harris. makes you all the deeper. So you you talk about the four, and you saw in last night's game again the experimentation that you wanted, Jeff. You had Jimmy Butler at point. You had Ben Simmons in the post, dominating in the post in the second half. Mm-hmm. Because uh, nobody can guard him. It looks like you're going to see more of that. If you look, last season, Simmons shot just 30% and took 70 shots in the post. Mm-hmm. This year, he's hitting 51%, sixth in the league among players with at least 250 posts up, has already taken 104 attempts, and has also accounted for 47% of his total points this season, mm-hmm. down in the post. So clearly, when he gets in that position, it allows him, at playing the traditional four, 
It lets Butler be involved more in the pick and rolls where he's more comfortable. It lets Simmons be down on the block where he's been more comfortable creating matchups down there. And then you don't have to worry about Simmons shooting. Why has it taken so long for this to happen? Because I think Simmons wants to be a point guard. It goes back to my point of the big guy always wants to be the point guard. It it seems to me that it's more fun to, for him to play point guard, but he's better and his skills better fit at being a four. So if I were him, I would look at it as it's much more fun to win and be more successful than it is to watch your hero sag back and say, go ahead, shoot the ball. From the point at times last night, Jimmy Butler put up 18 points, had six rebounds and six assists. Uh, you expect 19 points and 10 rebounds out of Boban with uh, Embiid sitting? Well, not only that, he had 15 points. It's the start of the time. game. He had 12 points within, the, I think, the first nine minutes and seven rebounds. He was dominant. He was absolutely dominant to start the game. It was completely unexpected. Tobias Harris had his first double-double as a sixer, his 12th of the season, 23 points and 11 rebounds. The starters After put up, he struggled early, the, so he recovered from struggling early. The yeah. starters put up 94 of 106 points in the game last night. Okay. Are you concerned about the bench going forward? No. And Bede's going to come back. He, his knee will get better. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about where this team is right now? They're in fourth place. They've got 23 games left with a game against Portland tomorrow afternoon. You'll be down there at the Wells Fargo Center. Mm -hmm. Where's your head on the Sixers coming out of the All Star break? Seeing their first game, they're gonna end. They're gonna end up being three or four. They're not. They're not gonna pass Milwaukee. I think three they're is not. very important. I don't want to see four. I don't want to see Boston in the first round. I think if you're at four, I think you're playing Boston in a four or five matchup. I think it's important that they get three, right? As opposed to having that matchup in the first round. I th I think that's important, and I think it's also important the the three because I think that you would want to play Toronto in the next round, assuming you get by the first round. Um, yeah, I don't want to see Toronto is not nearly as deep. Uh, they're good, but I don't think they're nearly as deep as the Sixers are. Milwaukee is just having a, a through-the-roof season. And, you know and Vucevic has been a great pickup. You which Miritich? Or Miritich, yeah. which we were concerned about when, when the move was made. He's fit in Here's perfectly. the amazing thing about Milwaukee. Almost everybody on that team is a free agent after this year. And they're, they're not going to be able to sign all these guys after this, but you don't hear anybody griping out there. Nobody. I mean, it, they seem to just, if you watch them play, they enjoy playing together. And I think it's because Giannis is, it seems to be the guy everybody wants to play with. And guess what? If all these guys are free agents after the year, everybody keeps talking about where Kevin Durant's going and where this person's going. Keep an eye out. I mean, it is Milwaukee and that may be an issue, but, Milwaukee may end up with a second or third star to go along with Giannis. It's definitely concerning what they're putting together. Let's talk. We'll leave the Sixers there. Um, we saw some this week in the Duke, North Carolina games. Zion Williams blew a tire with his shoe. <laughs> I, I've never. I'm not laughing about the injury. I'm laughing that that Nike is at now having this. This is the second issue I'm, with Nike. Yeah. Have you seen Remember that? LeBron's jersey ripped at the beginning of the season? Have you seen that happen with a shoe like that, though? Never. Like, even Paul George, who's wearing the, the PG3s, yeah. Paul George called Nike to find out what happened <laughs> to the shoe that bears his name on it. The best was if you saw the, 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 the highlight uh, – President Obama was there, and he immediately turns to somebody and says, look, he blew a shoe. Yeah, in the background, <laughs> you could see that. Um, so everybody, of course, immediately got on their soapbox to make this their issue about athletes aren't being paid in college. And, you know, I 
look, I, I work in communications. I understand newsjacking and taking a story and using it for your own. What was your reaction to what you saw with Zion? Looks like it's just a luckily a sprained knee for him. Let him make the decision himself is what I say. All these NBA players are coming out and saying he shouldn't play again. He made the decision that he wanted to go play at Duke. He constantly talks about how much he loves playing with his teammates. And, and he, he genuinely, they, he looks like he really enjoys it. He wants to have, even if it's just a year, have that college experience. He does just so everybody knows. Yes, it doesn't mean he'll get $100 million when he gets out, but he has an $8 million insurance policy. So if he gets hurt before the draft and it impacts him, he could end up with $8 million as, as his minimum. Okay, so let him make the decisions. And, and so then the question becomes, is, is, should they get paid? Well, you're not going to pay him enough that it's going to make a difference. And the, or should they let them go straight to the pros, which the NBA is now saying they're proposing that when you turn 18, you can come straight to us. Let's say he did have a serious injury, Mr. Lawyer. What would the liability be for a shoe breaking like that? Does he have like I don't it depends on whether what what the issue is. Like I'd never seen anything like that. I, I don't I don't know if it was a shoe issue. I, you, you never know what it is. But yeah, I guess he could he could have a, a lawsuit. See, I always ask my lawyer the legal questions. Why don't we leave it there? We'll head to break. Uh, when we come back, we've got Frank Brown joining us. We can talk some flyers, outdoor hockey in the rain, we can talk NFL, American football, whatever you want. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, you've been telling me all season about some fun you've been having going down to the Wells Fargo Center with your season tickets to the Wings. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to bring on a guest this week to, to talk with you a little bit about what you're seeing. So I believe we have Frank Brown on the line. Frank, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Frank, I hate to jump in, but I hear that Jeff sent you a text message before the show. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's lifting I his hands up like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Yeah, I know. I thought you were going to take this, but uh, for our listeners, Jeff sent Frank a text message that was intended for not Frank." <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was. It was for my wife, and just so people know, it was G-rated. It was. A, it was a whether she wanted to go to a concert tomorrow night because there was a musician who happened to be in another studio here who I I talked to. So, Frank, you're welcome to go if you want to see John Hyatt, but. Um, <laughs> you, Frank, you should have seen his reaction when he realized he said that to you and not his wife. It was like a real quick response to you. So thanks for yeah, joining I, us. Uh, I was in the shower and I 
I, I heard my phone go off and I looked at the messages. There was like this long message. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Luckily, we weren't in an argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Frank, as the banner says at the Wells Fargo Center, the wings are back where they belong. Uh, what has it been like to be part of the second inaugural season for the wings in Philadelphia? Um, it's been amazing. Um, this is my second year in the NLL, and uh, so I've been able to see all of the arenas, all the fan bases, all the organizations, and I can, I can, I can wholeheartedly say that what we have in Philadelphia is second to none. You talked to fans a little bit about the experience down there. It's it's a really fun atmosphere. I know that Jeff enjoys going with his son a lot. What's it like for you guys as the players to be playing in a city like this with the passion they have down there at the Wells Fargo Center? That's great. Um, you're in the hot seat a little bit because you have a fan base that knows what they're talking about, right? So, I mean, when you come to the game, you know, a lot of goals scored, you know, fast-paced, physical, you got music playing, you know, it's a great family experience, but... um as a player, you definitely feel that little extra added pressure to be successful. So, so Frank, you you had an interesting experience even before you got to Philadelphia in that you got, prior to playing with the Wings, uh, you got to play in the FIL World Championship in Israel last summer. What, what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was amazing. Um, to go over to that region of the world, um, with all the history that exists over there and to be able to play the cross there, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Now I, now I hear that you had a little difficulty. The team had a little difficulty getting there. Yeah. So what had happened was, um, we travel on our own separate passports as uh Haudenosaunee people. And we got to the airport in Toronto and hours before we were supposed to get on our flight, we were notified that uh, they weren't going to accept our visas. Oops. So, <laughs> it's, it's gonna be, yeah, like uh, it's going to make it hard to play. A bit of a problem, huh? So, yeah. so it's like the movie that, that worked out. It's like the movie The Terminal. Did you have to like just stay in the airport like Tom Hanks? <laughs> no, it was actually pretty cool because um, uh, the. Toronto is not far from one of our reserves, the Six Nations Reservation. So what we did is we left the uh, we left the airport and then we got a hotel room and then we went and watched the box across game back in Six Nations. And and you mentioned the little weekend. You mentioned the reserve in Six Nations and and our listeners, people who aren't as familiar with lacrosse, may not know the history of the Native American culture and lacrosse, beginning as stickball. Can you talk to us about the influence that lacrosse has had with the Native American Indian in terms of uh, the contests that were played, the professional development through the years, how it's sort of come about? Yeah, so um, box lacrosse is uh, the Canadian national sport for the summer. Um, Canada has two national sports, obviously hockey being the winner and box across being the summer. And um, if you look at the history of box across in Canada, you can't help but notice the influence that, you know, Native Americans from 
Southern Ontario have had on the sport and the history of the sport. And just like overall, the sport itself originated in our cultures. Um, it was used as like an alternative to war to uh, solve conflicts. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very dear to our heritage and it's a big part of, you know, our identity as people. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on besides, uh, being a fan of, of the wings and, and watching you play and how you, how you've been playing with the team, um, was, I was there when you, when you got on the, uh, jumbotron. I don't know if it was, yep. if it was taped or if it was live and you talked about, uh, an incident that had happened, um, which led me to actually start to research and learn more about the, the native, native American influence with, with lacrosse and what was going on, can you tell us what led you to to give that speech uh, before the game? Um, yeah. So I grew up um, a uh, Native American reservation in Western New York called Allegheny. Um, I'm a member of the Seneca tribe, and it's a pretty closed off world that exists down there. And I, I um. I was fortunate enough to uh, be recruited to play lacrosse at Hobart College. It's a small liberal arts college, private school. And the level of, you know, ignorance that I experienced there, at no fault of their own, was just um, frustrating at times. And, you know, part of me growing as a person was realizing that we are a, minor- or a minority amongst minorities as people, you know, so when, uh, that incident happened, I thought, you know, well, I know Shawnee and he's, uh, he's a good guy. You know, I talked to him, had a couple of conversations with him. And for our listeners who aren't familiar, Shawnee was the PA announcer, uh, during the game who made some comments, uh, that, that led you to this. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. And, um, the reaction to that, in the lacrosse community and my communities and various communities like indigenous communities across the country was just very like sharpen your torch and pitchforks, you know? And, uh, so what I wanted to do was kind of offer a, a level headed, you know, take on it. You know, this is not so much, uh, occasion to condemn an individual, as it is more so an opportunity to grow and educate people about our heritage and, you know, kind of let people know that we still exist, you know? Can you talk about what it's like and what it means to you to, to be such an ambassador for both your heritage growing up and now for lacrosse as a whole, to be out there and be able to have that impact? Jeff and I also often talk about the impact that athletes can have on the community and society if, if they only take their platform and use it. And it seems like you're an example yep. of an athlete that that's done that, that's grabbed hold of the platform, and and tried to really make a change using sports as the vehicle to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like it's our obligation as professional athletes. You know, it's kind of our duty to do right by our people. You know, we're um, 
kind of got the spotlight on us at times. And if you're not using that to better benefit where you come from, then, you know, you don't deserve the honor. So, so what other things are, are you doing to advance the cause or advance uh, educating people who really don't, may not understand or may not have come into contact with, with Native American culture? Uh, and how else are you using the platform? Um, so the way I view myself, is kind of a uh, uh, role model, I guess. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of people, you know, from my territory are able to get off it and kind of, you know, go out and meet people and have their own impact. So, you know, I'm a lacrosse player, but you know, not everyone's a lacrosse player. So, all I'm trying to do is just. Um, be someone that the younger generations can look up to and say, you know, if he could do it, then I can do it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, anytime I, I go home, you know, I try to do my best in power, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's important that, that people know that, that there is a large contingent of, of native American people that are in the lacrosse community and, and, and yep. seeing, seeing, you and seeing seeing others in in that sport, I think is is very educational, and I, I really hope people take the opportunity not only to go see lacrosse, but but understand uh, that they should get outside their own worlds and, and kind of try to understand people from other cultures. Yep. For for someone who hasn't seen lacrosse, we always like to try and open it up to fans for to try different things. How do you pitch your sport to them if you want to get new eyes on it? You know, Jeff goes down there, he's got his season tickets, and it's funny, he texts me from all the games telling me how much fun he's having down there. Um, how do you sell it? Well, I can answer that. You get to carry a stick and hit people. See, now, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't ask you, Jeff. Look, I asked you, Frank. You have, you, have, you have a young son. Give him a stick and tell him he can go hit people, and, and you'll see how He's quickly too. he We're it. trying to tell him that's <laughs> not let, how he does it we'll right let, now. We'll let Frank answer the right way. <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, I'll keep it simple. Um, my favorite quote about lacrosse is from Wayne Gretzky. And what he the way he describes it, I... Uh, I might be misquoting a bit, but he says it's the toughness of hockey, the skill of basketball, and I think he said the athleticism of something like hockey. You know, so I mean, if you if you like any of those three sports, all those three sports, I guess Wayne Gretzky said it's all three of them in one. So you'll like what you see if you come down and see the Wings play. Exactly. I do have a question about one particular. Uh, position in lacrosse, which is you you have a team with one player who seems to do every face-off. Yep. How in the world did he get that responsibility? <laughs> so um, the face-off, man, is a very important part of the field lacrosse game. And it's increasingly becoming important in our game because you have, you know, guys like Trevor, and there's a couple others around the league that are face-off specialists. And traditionally, you don't really think of them 
as having that specific role. But when you're as good as, say, our our our, our faceoff guy Trevor is, you know, it's hard not to, you know, uh, use him to the best of his ability. He never loses. <laughs> no, never. Jeff seems like he's jealous. I don't know. It's a, it, yeah, is Trevor, a, it is amazing how, how good he is at it. Yeah, Trevor was a uh, four-time All-American at Denver. Yeah. That's so he's, skill. Uh, he knows what he's doing. All right, Frank. Well, before we, before we let you go, um, I was looking over your bio a couple weeks ago when I was at the game, and it says that your biggest fear is Chick-fil-A putting pickles on your sandwich. <laughs> oh yeah. Jeff always I, asks food questions. I I got oh, it. I got it. so so are, <laughs> are you allergic to pickles? <laughs> no. I just grew up terrified of them. It's like how does a cucumber become that? <laughs> see, I figured And then the smell See, see, there's usually Chick Fil A is is one of those people either like the pickle on the sandwich or don't, and then there's those few people that want like the pickle taste on there. So no, they ask, no, no, they no, actually no. ask them to put the pickle on for I'm, a couple with, minutes I'm and then Frank. remove it. I'm with, I'm with Frank. No, no pickle on my Chick Fil A. No, I'm, the I'm thing is, is that your biggest fear there? Soak the bun. That's right. It, you and, know, so when they put them on, there's no eliminating them. You can't just pick them off. That's right, Jeff. That's what I mean. It ruins the whole sandwich. It's done for at that point. It's all downhill. It's not my biggest fear. <laughs> well, so that, but... so that was, is that really your biggest fear? Oh, come on, Jeff, for <laughs> real. You're going to ask him that <laughs> on the air. I don't think that's his real like biggest fear in life. <laughs> well, Bragg, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with the wings, and uh, we'll be down there cheering you on and then checking out what's going on. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thanks take so care, much. Frank. We'll hope for no pickles. You have a good one, man. All right. Take care. <laughs> bye, bye. Jeff, I always love when you ask food questions. <laughs> well, well, no, because there there are people who I've heard I have that that I've actually heard. actually want people. They said they want a hint of pickle. I like I've been standing behind someone who asked, but I'm like, what does that mean? A hint of pickle of pickle of pickle. They want so they apparently want them to. Put the pickle on, but then either give them the sandwich within a minute so they could take it off so it only has the hint of a taste of pickle, or they want them to, to take it off themselves while their fries are being made. It makes look you just you put way too much thought into these things sometimes. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> you kill it's me. A, I'm telling you, it's a big debate. All right, yeah. let's, let's get back to a bigger debate. Jeff, is it going to rain but, but, tomorrow night on the fly? Before, before we get to that, I do want to, I mean, he's not on now, but I want to thank Frank Brown because. Because yeah. the incident, for, just for my own benefit, made me more educated. I wasn't there when the incident happened, and I actually thought it related to what had happened in D.C. with the kid and, and the the gentleman, the older gentleman. Uh, but I learned a lot as a result of the things that he said, and the fact that he was out there saying it means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to the people that listen to our show and appreciate the fact that that the world is not as closed as we all are used to it being. And just being able to talk to people that are different than yourself makes a huge difference. And and that's one of the ways sports benefits society is that the people that you normally may not come into contact with, you get to see out there. And, and he actually is, is a role model, not just to other Native Americans, but 
to all kids growing up. You can hear in his voice that he embraces that role. Mm -hmm. There's no taking a step back. He is moving forward and, and raising the, the profile for this issue and and really standing out there as somebody who can be watched for not only his skill, but the way he handles himself and the way that he represents where he came from. And, you know, good for him and good good for the Wings. We, we appreciate them uh, setting it up for him to come on. And, uh, Jeff, I know you'll be down there cheering when they come back. What are they? They're, they're there March 8th? March 8th. The next Unfortunately, game. we'll be in Clearwater. We'll be preoccupied. Tough, tough life, Jeff. Yes. Tough life. Uh, are you going to go sit out in the rain tomorrow night, Jeff? No. Okay. I so I not, love, I'm not encouraging. I'm not discouraging other people from doing it. I'm but going, I did it already. I'm going to preface this discussion with: mm. I love outdoor hockey. I love the spectacle. Yeah. I love the look of it in a stadium. I like when snow is coming down. I like when you can see the players' breath. I love but not, outdoor not hockey. warm rain. Tomorrow night might be interesting yeah. conditions, making for choppy ice. Uh, the stadium looks really cool, though. You've seen the pictures. I've I've seen the pictures. The problem with it is 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 Here's the downside of it. Now I went to the Winter Classic when it was here, and it was all. It what was, was that a, like? It was an awesome experience. It was. It's My the coldest went. thing I've ever been outside for. But, he says the same thing. Oh, it was. It really was like bone chilling. Yes, there was no way to get warm. But it was. It was. It was early on in the Winter Classic experiment, and it was an amazing spectacle. It was in Citizens Bank Park. The problem is you are so far away the from the rink. The sight lines are very difficult yeah, in these so, stadiums. So now you're putting it in the link where you're even farther away. No, and, on one side you're close. And so that's the other thing. <laughs> it's so not in the center of the field. Why Why did they not put it in the center of the field? Are they charging more for one side than the other side? I don't know. You should call Ticketmaster. No. <laughs> I can't help you with mm. that. But it, it looks really cool, the setup of the stadium. and Yeah, and people people will have fun. It, it's one of those things you do once. Do you like <laughs> the Flyers orange and black jerseys, no other colors, solid orange, black lettering? I do. I, I like these. Most of the times I like the special jerseys. I like the Penguins jerseys, too. I wouldn't wear one, but uh, I I like them. But uh, I like that, that caveat. I wouldn't wear one. Yeah, <laughs> but but that also adds to this is is that who they're playing. I mean, the fact that they're playing their bitter rivals. Well, especially after Penguins. Malkin took a swing with a stick a few games ago. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's going to be some chippiness. The, and there is playoff impl implications to this game. Right now, the Flyers are seven points behind Carolina and a couple more points behind the Penguins. The Flyers are six three and one in their last ten games. But guess what? They've lost it. If anybody's paying attention, they lost two games in a row. And in and those Carter two games. Hart's been pulled the last two games. And I think people should not panic. And I will remind you, he's 20 years old and he's never played this many games. No at panic, this Jeff. High level. Yeah, well, um, he's 20. I heard somebody talking about Tampa Bay's goalie and saying That's it is amazing. Game. Yes, and amazing how great he is at such a young age of 24. And we now have a goalie who's 20. Okay, uh, he's not even eligible to to have champagne yet. If Is they, he hitting a wall? He may. He be. played a lot of hockey in a short period of time, and that may be the the story behind the story as to why they got Cam Talbot if he ever actually makes it here. Um, what is going on with that? Apparently, he needs a different visa. So look. This is the second. So he's got time the reverse Frank Brown. We now have this is the second time visas have brought been brought up in the show. Seriously, so, um, we're, we're an international show. But right apparently now. he's having a problem getting here, which is why Elliot is up again. 
I would think that your visas and stuff are right. I mean, they travel to the states. It, well, yeah, but he's he's a citizen of Canada, uh, and then he has to then he he's going to be working. His home base will be in the in the United States. But the issue with Carter Hart is is I think he is hitting a wall, and I think Cam Talbot may be coming here because he's been grooming him supposedly in the off season is to kind of help him get through these kind of moments. There's 21 games left in the regular season, and it is the NHL trade deadline on Monday. On Tuesday, will Wayne Simmons be a flyer, Jeff? I would say no. I don't believe be so guess. either. I think he's the one that gets moved. And you you asked the question to me before the show in here of, are they buyers or sellers? I would be a seller. See, I, I look at it differently. I would, I would be... If you are a seller, you're also a buyer yeah. in some ways. And I, I think that if you're if you're the Flyers, Chuck Fletcher should be looking to get players that are going to make them better next year. They should not be buying for the purpose of trying to make a playoff push this year. So the old Bobby Clark buy a thirty five year old with experience no, you, and you, put you, him in there. The, look, they're they're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. So so there is no reason to make the playoff push in a way that you're you're selling out next year in the next three years. So if they can get better for next year by getting some young players or getting players that better fit that's going to take time, then do that. And I think that will require giving away Wayne Simmons for something. But I think that I think there may be more to it. I think that you may end up not seeing Voracek here. Do you really? Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't expect that. I wonder whether they trade one of their goalies. They have a lot of goalies right now. One one of their eight goalies? Sure. I mean, look, I've been surprised they didn't put Brian Elliott in for a game to show that he was healthy to play. He did. He gave him yesterday. Well, but <laughs> it, that wasn't, it wasn't planned. their intention yes. uh-huh. to do it that way. I was surprised that we didn't see Who's that. Where you going to want Brian Elliott for their playoff look, push? Look, if, if you're looking for a backup goaltender for a playoff push, he'll sit on your bench and be healthy. No, thanks. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that you would want him. Right. Uh, you know who's not going to get traded? Gritty. <laughs> I want to see how what Gritty does on at the outdoor game in the rain on Saturday night. Gritty's going to be a little ragged looking. Right? Oh my god, unless gonna, unless, he, unless they've uh, put you know sprayed that stuff you spray on your couch. He's going to be wearing one of those like plastic like ponchos. <laughs> like like the like old grandma couches Yeah. Up, you know, the, the cheap plastic over them. Yeah. Sure, what the hell? Uh, we got a couple minutes before we go. Eagles got some compensation picks today. They got a fourth rounder for the loss of Trey Who Burton are they taking last with that year. Pick? I don't know, Jeff. Uh, they got a sixth rounder. How about that one? So they now have eight picks in yeah. this year's draft. Are you ready for NFL draft talk, Jeff? No. You're not there no, yet? Uh-uh. Baseball springs eternal. You can't do draft look, talk? Look look what you have coming up in the coming weeks. We, ha- we have baseball season. We have... March Madness. Don't forget, that's right around the corner. So we got the we got all the conference tournaments, and then March Madness. You have the playoff push for the NHL and the NBA, and then the playoffs. Why are we worried about the draft right now? Because that's what fans who like football do. They worry about the draft. There's nothing to do right now. The big question is who's taking Kyler Murray. That's a good. And question. it's not the Eagles, so. Nothing I, to talk about. That's a good question. Yeah. Did you watch the AAF last week, Jeff? No. They uh, 
it's good thing if you missed them um, they might not that be might. here in a future <laughs> week how how can a league be broke in week two and well, not make payroll you know they're they're claiming that it was just a glitch yeah but somebody that, had to that, invest 250 million dollars that's a big glitch uh, they just said that was just because it was a confidence booster that does you not. Know, you boost, see the smirk on my that face. That does right? not boost my Look, confidence. If, if you got to what week was this? The third week was this the second or third week? A- and they're already having payroll issues. Uh, it's deeply concerning. Before we go, Jeff, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to give you the chance to to rant and complain. It's not in our document. About what? Uh, you don't like the pace of play of a player in golf, and I'm going to give you the chance to talk about why you don't like it when people are slow in golf. So you don't want me to talk slow. You want me to talk fast then? Well, we've got two minutes. Oh, so so, so J.B. Holmes, play, you were supposed to, in, in the PGA, play around in four hours or less. He played his round in five hours plus, okay? He stands over the ball. And it's not just him, by the way. This goes back Sergio Garcia years ago. When he was much younger, people would give him a really hard time. And there are a group of players that there is, just so everybody knows, there is a rule that you have to hit a ball within a certain period of time, and it's never enforced. And they have got to enforce this because you want to talk about a slow sport, golf. Now, I watch that. I go to that. I cover that. I love golf. But you cannot, when you're just playing two guys in a group, you can't go five hours. I'd be so golf. frustrated if I was the pairing behind him. Look, if you're within a foot of the hole, even though I routinely miss those putts, <laughs> <laughs> I love they, that. I love that you prefaced it that way. They don't, and that is a gimme. And you do not go plumb your your golf your golf club. You don't walk around it seven times. You don't get down and get up again. You just tap it in. And even that took him. It's like Chubb said with Happy Gilmore, just tap it in, just tap, tap, tap it in. That's right. Are you too good for your home? Go home, ball. <laughs> Jeff, what are you going to be watching this weekend? Now I'm going to go watch Happy Gilmore, <laughs> but 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 Happy I'll be Gilmore, at the Sixers game. Happy Gilmore is actually like 20 years old now, or 25 years old. Uh, I I am now I am going to go to the Sixers game, and then a shout out to our our buddy Gary Handler for uh, because then I will then be going to see John Hyatt. Well, you uh, have a good time. I'll be watching hockey on the TV, hoping that uh, the ice holds out. Uh, When we come back next week, we'll have plenty to talk about. But thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.